Mother Teresa was once asked this question in an interview. When you pray, what do you actually say to God? And the interviewer was gobsmacked to hear her reply, I don't say anything, I just listen. She was referring, of course, to a stage or a part of prayer that sadly many followers of Jesus never actually step into. But for those who do, it's a whole new dimension in our life with God. We're looking at these four stages of prayer. And um, just as young children, when they learn to speak, they learn to copy and repeat the words of their parents. And then their words become sentences and they speak to their parents. And they start to have conversations with their parents. And hopefully they come into a place of listening to their parents in order to, um, to follow the guidelines and the instructions of their parents. Um, Jess, I don't know, did you get the slides there? Not? Okay. Don't worry, we were expecting load shedding at this point. It might kick in any second. Um, but today we're looking at the third stage of prayer. Well, it's not a stage because they're not linear. They overlap with each other. But it's a development in the relationship, our prayer relationship with God, the most important relationship that we can ever know. And um, that's this, this idea of listening to God, listening for God's voice. And listening to God's voice raises questions for us, because what do we mean by God's voice? Um, for many of us, this brings up a whole lot of fear um, and, and thoughts of Abuse, where maybe an elder or a, a pastor um, said, God told me, or God is telling you. And words can be manipulated. And it's not always that we heard God, it's that we use um, God as a means to get a desired outcome. So what do we mean by um, God told me? Um, just say, Wendy, I think uh, Martin might have put them on the desktop. So they might be there. But the desire to hear God's voice in prayer is something that the Holy Spirit puts on the hearts of those who follow Jesus. In John chapter 10, which Corinne just read to us, Jesus likens himself to the shepherd and us, his followers, his disciples, to sheep. It's a funny metaphor if you think about it. How are we sheep and how is he the shepherd? But um, he says, my sheep know my voice. And they follow me. And so in this passage, the defining feature of a sheep is one who hears the voice of the shepherd. Um, is that slide number two? Yes, thank you. Perfect. Um, he says, the one who enters by the gate. He's actually speaking to the Pharisees. If you look in the previous verses in the end of chapter 9, this comes in a discourse where Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees. And so some versions have, um, in verse 1, to the Pharisees he spoke this. And um, he says, uh, those who are trying to enter by another way are thieves. Um, and now think of who he's speaking to and what he might be accusing them of. It was sacrilegious. And then he talks about himself as a shepherd, himself as a gate, and the only way in. And so sheep, as those who are defined by the fact that they know their shepherd's voice. You see, for Jesus, 
walking in his way as a disciple of Jesus was not a theology or a set of doctrines or a bunch of rules, but a living dynamic relationship which involved listening and responding. And um, even one of Jesus' own disciples, Mary, who we know sat at Jesus' feet. Remember Martha said, you know, tell her, Lord, to come and help me because there's much to be done. And it was unheard of, firstly, that a woman should be a disciple in those days because this was something that the men were doing. In the first century, um, to be sitting at someone's feet was actually an idiom for discipleship. It was, if you're a disciple, another way of saying that would be to say, uh, I sit at the feet of Rabbi so-and-so. A disciple of Jesus is one who regularly is found sitting at the feet of Jesus. And listening is a key part of, uh, a major part of that. And so this idea of prayer as listening to God, it wasn't new in Jesus' time. It was something that was a theme throughout the Old Testament. So the next slide, please. Um, The Shema is this ancient prayer which the Jews prayed three times a day and still pray. Uh, It was core to the Hebrew people. They'd write it on bits of paper and they'd um, tie it around their foreheads, on a little box, and around their uh, wrists and on their doorposts because they didn't want to forget. And this is what it said, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, or in Hebrew, hear, O Israel, Shema Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And Shema um, is hear, O Israel, hear, the word hear. It's not easily translated into English because it means more than just hear and listen. It means to listen and to obey. Heed or listen with intent. Last night, Nikki Jobling had her 17th birthday party. She turns 17 tomorrow. And um, it feels like just the other day she was a little girl. And I remember uh, one day she took my head in her hands. And she said, listen, Dad. And I realized that she'd learned this from her mum and from me. You know, when she wasn't listening, we would take her head and get her eyes and focus eyes on eyes and say, listen to me. And what we meant was, um, listen to me in order that you can follow what I'm saying, in order that it will go well for you. This is what God was saying to his people, listen and obey. Listening, the idea of listening wasn't just uh, listening to the song, it's a nice song. It was listening with the intent to follow and to learn and to grow, and in order that it would go well. So the um, Shema is still a central prayer that is prayed three times a day um, amongst the Hebrew people, Jewish people. And when Jesus was asked what is the most important command in Scripture, this is what he quoted. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. For Jesus to listen and obey was the most important thing and describes really all of Christian discipleship, listening to God and following But I think we have mixed feelings about the word obey, Um, especially the younger generation. We have negative, um, we've experienced negative authority figures, and so we learn this independence, and and like a young child, it's easier sometimes to say no than to humble our hearts and say, well, is this something good that I need to listen to? 
and follow. Um, and our culture is, is very much self-defined. It's not um, into obeying and following others. And obedience has taken on a negative connotation. But a disciple is one who listens for Jesus' voice in order to go out and obey it. It's why we listen. It's why we pray. It's why we read scripture. Um, It's why we worship in order that God would inform our lives. And when he does, we wouldn't just say, oh, that's nice, like a good song. We would say, wow, this changes my life. I need to live by this. This instructs me. Jesus' final words to his disciples. The next slide, please. In Matthew 28. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. It was central in his last words. These things you do and teach them to obey as well. So learning to hear Jesus' voice is one of the greatest tasks of a disciple from the very outset, from the moment that our lives are captivated by Jesus and we respond, we receive salvation. Our lives are defined in discipleship by learning to to trust and to listen and to obey. The greatest task. But to do this, we really have to trust. We have to believe that God has our greatest interest at heart. We've got to believe that obedience is not an obstacle on the path to a happy life. It is the path to a happy and fruitful life. And by happy, I don't mean everything is hunky-dory. I mean that there's a deep contentment and a peace that comes from God. The next slide, thanks, um, Jess, is um, a quote by Ignatius of Loyola, who defines sin like this. He said, sin is the unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. Sin is an unwillingness to trust that what God wants for me is only my deepest happiness. When we trust that that's what God wants for us, is our deepest contentment and peace in Him, then it's not difficult to obey His Word. In fact, we won't even want to know, uh, we won't be able to stop wanting to know what God is saying to us when we really believe that Jesus has the best for us. Our biggest aim becomes to listen for his voice in order to obey. And he doesn't want to control us. It's not like God is creating a bunch of puppets that I speak and you follow, or remote control in the sky where God says, now change to channel three or turn up the volume. No, God wants a deep surrender in this relationship. We say, God, we want to work with you. We want to be partners with you in what you are doing in this world. And you are the greater partner. You are sovereign. Our trust is in you. And sometimes we try to listen just when we need to hear a specific answer. So we go along with life, doing our good things, being good Christians, and maybe praying, reading scripture, But the part of listening is a bit of a mystery. But the times when we really do listen is when we really need a question. We need some wisdom. We need an answer. What am I meant to do in this situation? And there's specific guidance needed. And so we stop 
and we ask God. And we hope that he'll show us. And maybe he does. But the point of listening to the shepherd in John 10 is not so that the sheep can get the decisions that they want when they want them. It's in order to follow where the shepherd will lead. Listening is a constant process of being able to follow this shepherd where he leads us. Listen and obey. But the question is how? How do we do this? That's the hard part. How do we hear God's voice? God doesn't have a body. He doesn't have vocal cords. We don't hear an vo- audible voice. Not many of us. Not many people have heard God speak audibly and loudly to them. And sadly, there's no one-size-fits-all formula. That would be really convenient. But God does meet with each of us within the depths of our own life, our own personality, our gender, our culture, our background. And he speaks to us in the way that is specific to us. He does speak to us if we can notice and we can see and recognize it. And you, if you, I don't know this morning, I'm not going to take a vote, but some of you may be going, I love hearing God's voice. I do hear God's voice. And these are the ways I hear God's voice. And that's wonderful. And maybe today is just taking a step a bit closer. There we go. But um, maybe you're like many Christians I know, myself at times, where you go, I can't hear God. I struggle to hear God. And um, I just want to encourage you that I think you probably already hear God speak a whole lot more than you realize. But you just may not recognize it as God yet. And so I'm going to just mention six ways in which God speaks. And perhaps as I do, you'll recognize, ah, yes, I know I've heard God speak like that. I know I've heard God speak like that. I believe he does that. And hopefully it'll help us just to grow a little bit further. I'm just going to move into the light a bit more. Let me collect them. So here are six ways that we hear God's voice. First is Jesus himself. The writer to the Hebrews, in chapter 1, verse 1 of Hebrews, writes these words. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things. And through whom also he made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. And he sustains all things by his powerful word. By his word. Modern Christians often talk about the Bible as the word. Got the word. Here's the word. And it's the word of God. But the Bible never refers to itself as the word but mostly refers in New Testament especially to Jesus as the Word. Jesus is the Word. 
made flesh. That's the truth that we believe in John chapter 1 other places. Hearing God's voice begins and ends with Jesus, the Word. And all the other ways that God communicates with us come through Jesus and point back to Jesus. He's central to all of this because he's the shepherd and the one whose voice we're listening to. That says, said, God does speak to us um, in, other, in indirect ways than the voice of Jesus directly. Um, and the first is through Scripture, which is one way that Jesus speaks directly to us. Sort of conundrum. But through Jesus himself, but secondly, through Scripture. So much of the Bible is speaking through the minds of human writers, and yet all of it is a way to listen to and obey God. Paul, in his first letter to the Thessalonians, chapter 4, says, Anyone who rejects the instruction, this instruction, he says, does not reject a human being. So Paul's busy writing the letter. It's human. Words from his mind to the page. But he says, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So Paul is acknowledging that the God that we worship is speaking through these words of Scripture. And there are many ways to read Scripture. Um, I sometimes enjoy just reading long passages of Scripture. Reading a chapter at a time. Or a story at a time. But I want to offer you another way of reading scripture, just to add to whatever you might be doing, or perhaps you're already using this. It's an ancient way that the monastics used to use called Lectio Divina. And some of you have used it. See the nods? Um, it's a, it's, it means spiritual reading. I don't know how all of reading scripture isn't spiritual reading, but Lectio Divina means a spiritual reading. And um, it's a way of taking short passages of scripture and reading them slowly quietly, prayerfully, even just two or three verses of Scripture, and pausing, asking God to speak to us, and often to just, he'll show us a word or a phrase or an idea from the passage. So it's just reading a few verses, but in order to do it, you have to slow down, because the world is a busy place, and there's a lot going on on the phone. And there's a lot going on in our schedules. But to stop and slow down, often in that space we call our quiet time, and to take a few verses and just stop and say, God, would you speak to my heart today? Would you show me something of what you're saying to me today? And it's, it's a way of tuning in for the shepherd's voice. It's not coming for a specific guidance. I need to know who shall I marry, this one or that one. Or what should I do in this decision, business decision, or whatever it may be. But it's, it's actually just saying, I just want to hear the shepherd's voice. How is it that you want to lead me today? And often as we read it, and just wait. And read it again. And wait on God. Um, something comes out. A word, a phrase. Um, and it's different to a Bible study. In a Bible study, we ask, what does this text mean? What did it mean to its uh, readers back then? What does it mean to me today? And how will I apply this to my life? It's a different exercise 
Lectio asks, how is God coming to me personally through this text today? How is God meeting with me in his word and speaking into my life? What's the specific word that he just wants to drop into my life today? And when you hear something, as I've done this exercise with groups and on my own, and I always find something stands out. As I meditate on it, I'm amazed how it speaks into my life. But you have to take it with you, maybe even write it down. Take it with you into your day and allow it to apply to your day. Allow it to be something that you say, yes, God, I will agree with this and I will follow you. I won't walk contrary to this, but I will agree with your word and follow it. That's what obedience is. Some people say, well, God has spoken through Scripture. There's nothing new. Heaven is silent now. It's all there in Scripture. You just need to read the Scripture. But I really believe God is still speaking today. He speaks through his Holy Spirit, and he brings Scripture alive. And it's, it's why two of us can hear the same passage read, and something different will ignite in our hearts. Something different will come to our minds, because God meets with us uniquely according to where we are in our life and where he's leading us. God is still speaking. There are a few more ways that he does that. Talked about Jesus himself. Scripture, thirdly, circumstances. Romans chapter 8, 28 tells us, we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In all things. For those who have been called according to his purpose. We believe in God's sovereign ability to rule over the events in our lives. We have free will, and there is also demonic rebellion happening in the world around us and affecting our lives. But at least some of the circumstances of our lives are the shepherd's voice. They are ways that Jesus is coming to us and leading us and guiding us. That's why I say probably God is speaking to you more than you realize in the circumstances of your life, through opportunities, open doors, closed doors, through relationships, the situations we find ourselves in. And when Paul says in all things, that means some things feel bad at the time. Some things feel good. And God uses them to direct us if we will listen for the shepherd's voice. God is often in those circumstances, coaxing us forward into his will. One writer said, God comes to us disguised as our own life. He comes to us disguised as our own life. In other words, he's speaking through your very life. If you'll take notice of what is happening and how things are working around you. And learning to discern how God is coming to us through the events and the non-events of our lives is an important part of learning to hear God's voice. Fourthly, our desires. Our desires. One of the ways we discern God's voice is by listening carefully and critically to the things in our heart, to the desires and the things that are stirring in us, the things we long for. The writers of the Bible speak about desire, but they tell us that our heart is complex. It's a place where there are good and beautiful desires, but there are also ugly and evil desires. There's light and there's dark. Jeremiah, 
um, in some of his writings, says the heart is desperately wicked. Oh my gosh, how do I follow those desires? And then later he says God will write his will on our hearts. He'll put his desires in our hearts. So some of our desires, left unchecked, will send us off a cliff. Other desires are, are God at work deep within us. And generally, desire is a good indication of design. A bird has the desire to fly. It's made to fly. Um, a horse has the desire to run. It's made to run. And God puts in our hearts the desires and, and the designs of what he's made us for. But because our heart has been infected by the disease of sin, we have to sift through these desires. We have to find God's desires within us. They are there. God is speaking to us. But we can't trust every desire. We have to discern. We have to stop and ask God. Desire is one of the ways we hear God's voice. And if you feel a pull in your heart, maybe lately you've just been feeling something, I really need to do this. I'm really longing to do this. Listen to it. Talk to God about it. Is this something that he is speaking to you about? Desires are one of the ways that God speaks to us. The fifth is prophecy, dreams, and visions. God speaks to us through one another. And in the New Testament, this falls under the umbrella of the prophetic. And prophecy is, uh, in, in the Old Testament, we see it primarily as a place of predicting the future and of pronouncing judgment or speaking of calamity that's coming or good that's coming. As much of the prophecy of Isaiah and Ezekiel and Jeremiah is about and some of the minor prophets. But mostly in the New Testament we see, as Paul describes it, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening and encouragement and comfort. In other words, um, the prophetic or the, the word of God for another that, come, that you hear through another person, generally God uses it and has used it for strengthening for encouragement and for comfort. And you can ask the question, if you feel like you have a prophetic word to give to someone or someone gives a word to you and you receive it and you're trying to discern, is this from God? A really good test is this 1 Corinthians 14.3 test. Just think 1 Corinthians 1.4.3, And it's, is this word, does it strengthen, does it encourage, or does it comfort? And if it doesn't, there's a good chance it's not from God, that it's coming from a critical place or a negative place. On Alpha, we always train the team before we start Alpha. So we had training um, last weekend, uh, the first training, and then we started Alpha on Wednesday. And then just before the Alpha weekend and the talks on the Holy Spirit, um, where there'll be a chance for the team to pray for the guests on Alpha, we have a second training. And we teach our, our team, we train our team to listen for God's voice in order to speak into others' lives. 
And it can be as easy as opening your imagination to God and praying and saying, God, what are you saying to this person? Just waiting to see if a word or a picture or a scripture pops into your mind. And it's not sort of God on demand, like the um, one of those one-armed bandits in the gambling halls. Um, it's a way of coming before God and saying, God, I'm praying for this person, and won't you give me um, a picture or a word of knowledge or something that will encourage them, strengthen them, comfort them, as per the 1 Corinthians 14.3 test. And then we humbly offer to the other person as a possible word from God. It's dangerous just to say, God is saying this to you. Unless we're really, really, really sure. And we've been practicing this for a long time and we really feel confident that we've got this hotline to God. And not many of us do. I don't. But I'm practicing and I'm trying. And so what I do is if I feel I have a word or something, I'll say, I think God might be saying this. Or I think... Um, as I was praying, I had a, a, a word on my mind, or a scripture came to my mind. So it's not saying, thus saith the Lord, but it's humbly bringing what we feel God's saying, but faithfully and obediently, because God wants to speak and does speak through other people, through the prophetic. Sometimes people prophesy without even knowing it. They just say to you whatever's on their mind. And as you hear it, you think, or you feel something of the Holy Spirit. You feel, I think God's speaking to me right now. And the person's not saying, God said this, or thus saith the Lord. They're just speaking what came to their mind. And God also speaks through dreams and visions. Dreams when we sleep and visions sometimes when we're awake and we get a vision. Um, and it's common in Scripture. I have a lot of dreams. I dream all the time. I used to keep a dream diary only when I was in a trick uh, because my dreams were so crazy. So I wrote them down every morning. As I woke up, if I remembered them, I'd write them down. And I had this dream diary. I've still got this little book somewhere. Um, and it's hilarious to read. But I, I would write it down because someone had said to me, write down your dreams. You never know if God is speaking to you. And there were times where I felt like God was encouraging me or speaking to me through that. Um, I don't think I ever had a dream where I felt God said, go to King Nebuchadnezzar and share the dream. <laughs> uh, it was uh, more for me, but sometimes it is for somebody else. Finally, um, a way that we hear God is what we call listening prayer. And listening prayer is simply waiting quietly for God to speak into your mind, into your heart. The Holy Spirit is within you. We know that. We believe that. And therefore God can speak to your inner life because he lives within you. You can trust him to speak. And when he speaks, it's good. If I say to you right now, think about Table Mountain. Just put up your hand if you're thinking about Table Mountain right now. There's a couple of you thinking about Table Mountain. Um, by listening to me, you're trusting me to guide your mind which is a bit creepy when I say it like that, <laughs> mind control and all that. But, but really, when somebody says something, your mind goes there. Um, and sometimes we say, is that, I'm not sure if that was God or just, just my mind. Well, yes, it's your mind because, uh, or you say, it's just in my head. 
God speaks through our mind. He speaks in our head. This is where our thoughts are. And just as I said, think of Table Mountain. A thought comes to you. A picture comes to you. And it can be God just dropping it into your mind at just the right time. And you think, oh, God doesn't speak to me, but actually he's speaking to you more than you realize. But of course, our thoughts must be tested. Just like prophecy, the truth is God can speak and does speak directly to us. But probably like Elijah, most of us experience God in a still, small, calm way. A still, small voice. So learning to grow a deeper prayer life with God means we must learn to quiet our mind and body. You can't hear small, still, calm voices when you're living amongst the noise. And when life is noisy, you have to find a way to step out of that noise. Leave the phone behind. Leave the children or the grandchildren behind for a few moments to be with the Lord and to enjoy that quiet place. So in closing, I just want to talk about discernment. In prayer, we're not only learning to speak to Jesus and speak with Jesus, but to listen for his voice in order that we can obey and follow him. And all of these ways of listening to God require us to discern. Discern is, is this God speaking to me? Um, or is this something else? Sifting through to see what is coming from God and what is coming from another place. Thoughts maybe not rooted in the truth, in things that were spoken to us that were negative. In my flesh or my sin, or the world around me or the evil one, those are there, but they shouldn't be cause for us to give up discerning the voice of God and getting better at hearing the voice of God. But without this discernment, we open ourselves to following lies and to going in the wrong direction, not following the shepherd. It's a work of the Holy Spirit within us to be able to discern and hear God, but it's also um, a skill to practice, something we do in community and not alone. Jesus said in John 10 verse 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So how do we grow in this ability to discern Jesus' voice from all the other voices in our head? I think it's simple. The same way we learn to discern the voice of a best friend or a spouse or our parents when we're babies. It's by long hours of listening. We don't learn the voice of the shepherd by not trying to hear the shepherd, by not being with the shepherd. Our brains come to recognize almost immediately a person's voice. Think of the saying, I'd know that voice anywhere. Have you ever said that or thought that? When Brenda hears Ben's voice in the garden, she's not going, who's that stranger? She knows it's Ben because she knows his voice from long hours of listening to that voice. If a sheep who's not very clever can learn the voice of the shepherd and follow and obey, how much more can we learn to hear the voice of our shepherd, Jesus? 
hearing God's voice takes more than a quiet mind, it also takes a surrendered heart. After all, why would God speak to us if we're not going to heed or follow, obey his voice? If our heart and our life has a posture of surrender to God, God, I want to hear you in order to obey you, and we'll hear God speak to us.